with potty training. It's a process mm-hmm. and it's, you're not going to give up just because of a day of regression. Like, yeah. well, I guess she's not, just not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, you keep with it. The parenting in the pew is the same way. You, you keep with it. Yeah. They don't necessarily get it right away. I think the best way to approach it is just to provide that instruction mm-hmm. and explanation and repetition with the view that they will worship God. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's the aim. You're listening to Make and Multiply, a podcast devoted to equipping the members of Emmaus Road Church to make and multiply disciples of Jesus Christ in the city of Sioux Falls. The people of Emmaus Road are committed to regular rhythms of gathering and scattering. We gather corporately in worship on Sunday mornings. We gather in missional communities and discipleship huddles, and we scatter throughout our city where we want to give every resident of Sioux Falls repeated opportunities to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Make and Multiply. My name is Matt Grun. I'm one of the pastors at Emmaus Road Church, and I'm joined this morning with Ryan Chase, a pastor, and Caleb Durnberger, one of the pastoral residents at Emmaus. Uh, it's a joy to be with you guys this morning, and the goal this week, or, or this on this episode, is to kind of take the topic of the broad category of family worship and kind of focus in a little bit into a, a, the category of having kids with us in the Sunday gathering. Um, if you spend any amount of time at our church, you will note that we have a lot of small kids. I think uh, I recently ran the numbers. Uh, we have 130 under 18. No, that's not right. I th- it was like 170. That's right. No, no it was 199 okay. under the age of 17. We have 130 under the age of seven, and we have 100 under the age of four at our church, which is just like, when you put like... So that's where our church growth has come from. <laughs> Seriously. That's where we've, we've escalated. Thing. Things are getting out of hand. We make and multiply. That's, hey, that's the podcast. What do you want? So th- I think with that comes just the realization that on Sunday mornings, there's a, uh, a loudness to our, to our gathering. <laughs> Um, it's, you know, you can try and say you don't notice it. We all notice it. It it is loud. We've got a lot of small kids. Um, and it is a sweet sound in a lot of ways. It's, it's a, it's a marker of, yeah, of, of growth, of family growth, of fruitfulness, of, uh, faithfulness, of, of people taking seriously the command to raise our kids and the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And, we're going to bring them with us. Um, they, we don't, they're not separate from us, but we take them with us. So because that's a part of our church, I thought it'd be good to take some time here and talk with you guys a little bit about um, this concept of, um, of having our children in the gathering with us. Um, I recently wrote a blog, and it's from a book I recently read. Uh, her name is Robbie Castleman, and she's the wife of a Presbyterian pastor. And this was written in the early 90s, but yet it still has a lot of practical how-tos for us. Um, the cover art looks like it's from the 90s. Okay, well. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> you guys would know. You were, what, you guys were in your, were you in college in the early uh, 90s? Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't born yet, so I don't oh, know. Okay. I, I wouldn't be able to comment. Anyway, she, so Robbie Castleman, she's, a, she's raised kids in the church, she has grandkids in the church, so she just has a wealth of knowledge. And her book, uh, Parenting in the Pew, Guiding Your Children into the Joy of Worship, 
um, helpful book. Uh, like I said, there's some translation that needs to happen as far as um, kind of what's available technology these days, plus uh, their uh, philosophy of ministry compared to ours, but still a lot of really helpful things. I think what's helpful about it is, you know, she, her pastor was a, or her, her husband was a pastor in a Presbyterian church, so very high church, very liturgical, um, and were not as high church as that, as liturgical as that. So some of those translations of helpful tips need to happen, but all in all, I think there are a lot of really, really basic points mm-hmm. that can just help cast a vision. Um, and the first one, we'll just start here. Uh, why keep your kids in the service is because that's where the worship of the living God happens. Um, and to separate them from that is to miss, and she, she uses this language to miss out on a lot of sweet things that mm. you can do with your family. Mm. Um, so what's at stake ultimately isn't so much like good habits of staying quiet and paying attention. What's at stake is not just obedience. What's at stake is just experiencing worship of the living God. Mm. Um, so that's a starting point. Maybe we should just start there. She has a quote where uh, this this concept of thinking, the question we often get is, the, my, kids are a distraction for me getting something out of the service, yeah. right? That's often the claim is, I have a hard time getting anything out of it because my kids are loud, my kids need to be distracted, my kids are blah, 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 blah. And she just makes that simple shift, which we all know when we think about it, is like worship at its core is not about what we get out of it, but what God gets. And he makes clear throughout the Bible, especially in the Gospels, that children are not an obstacle to the worship of him. Mm-hmm. So that just that little turn, I know that's not like some massive theological or practical change, but to me, it's just like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I can keep going, I guess, after that. I don't know, what do you guys think about? Yeah, the, uh, well, I think like you're pointing out, the application of this might look different in different contexts, but if you get the overall orientation, the aim, the goal right, that points you in the right direction. And so just to settle that, that gathering with the body of Christ on the Lord's day, the aim of that is to glorify God. The aim of that is worship. And, and that is a profound shift rather than thinking, what did I get? What do I remember? One way to think about it is if if you zoom out and just think back, not on last Sunday, what do you remember, but just a year ago, do you Mm -hmm. remember what the message was about, what what text was used for the call to worship, what songs we sang? No. So does that mean you didn't get anything out of it? Not necessarily. Uh, You know, we we are being shaped and formed by this process uh, as a rhythm and a habit in our lives when we gather in community with God's people to worship God. But if the aim is to glorify God, that does give us focus then as well, that we're not just, we're not there just to get something. Um, and, and we're not there, like you were saying, just to keep our kids distracted or occupied. But really the long-term goal is we are discipling them, parenting them, training them to worship. That The aim is that they would participate with us in worship. Yeah. And how else are we going to do that except by showing them what worship looks like? Right. The The idea that, well, we're going to separate them out from us until they're quote unquote ready. It, it, it kind of begs the question, well, how are they going to learn? Like how do any of us learn to participate in the gather? Or, well, learn to participate in anything. We learn by doing. So by separating them out from the, from the gathering, 
what we end up doing is just like putting them into a holding pattern without actually discipling or, or raising them um, to learn to do it by participating. Mm-hmm. So nobody learns to, to swing a golf club without trying it and doing it. Nobody learns it really any, nobody learns how to read without trying and doing it. Yes, there are lessons and, and so forth, but we, we need to participate in order to participate, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on the job training. Right. And success then is participation, not just quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a quote on, on page 31. It says, it, de- it depends on who we are and how we see ourselves. Do we sit with our children in quote unquote church or do we sit with them in quote unquote worship? Mm-hmm. Just that subtle difference changes things. Cause what are they participating? Are they participating? Are they participating in a, uh, a meeting that they need to be quiet for, or are they participating in the actual worship of the triune God? She goes on too many adults who learn how to, how to be quiet in church are still doing just that. That's provoking. And many of them are passing this along to their children. A family can learn to sit v- still very well, but be unmoved by the holy presence mm-hmm. of God. Hmm. And earlier in that book, she, she, she said this, I made worship training important because I wanted my sons not to be, so parentheses, one of my sons not just to be quiet and respectful, but I wanted my sons to know God and love him. I didn't want to raise hypocrites, but holy men. I wanted my sons to love the church the way their father loved the church. I wanted their journey of faith to be a little bit wiser than mine. That's convicting, and I think that casts a vision that outlasts the little years, if you will, because I think that's really where, especially like moms of, and especially like for us, right? We, we have responsibilities on Sundays. Um, this is why I, I felt a particular burden with yeah. with. Robbie Castleman, as a pastor's wife, like on Sunday, the three of us, we have responsibilities that take us away from our family. So our wives are often left alone <laughs> to fend for themselves with all these little kids. And that um, can be wearying. That can be this just like, is it, mm-hmm. is it always going to be this way? And I think that vision of we are helping them participate in the worship of a holy God helps lift our eyes from the here and now and up to 10 years from now when they're middle schoolers and, and high schoolers and when they eventually, Lord willing, are leading their own families and discipling their own children. Uh, that has some effect yeah. in like the, in, in the practicals. Hmm. It, I think that also shows that um, <clears throat> we're kind of all over the place in maybe what you would call a, a Sunday meeting etiquette. Like, what is the expectation? What is, mm. what should it sound like and feel like and look like type of thing? And there's, there's such goodness in the fact that we have so many people <laughs> from so many different places coming to our Sunday meeting. Um, I, I, we make the comment every week, I didn't know half the people that were there. And um, that has an effect on, on that meeting um, because people are bringing their expectations of what it should be feel like and sound like. And I think one of the things that's probably at the top is, um, yeah, while we, while, while none of us would allow our children to, you know, run around during the preaching of the word and be screaming and stuff, you know, there's a time when a child needs to be taken out and maybe discipline even needs to happen on that Sunday morning. But I think, you know, even from when we're singing, or in between songs, like, or, you know, when the pastor says, good morning, uh, 
are we supposed to say good morning? I don't know. Right. Like, let's not be, listen, don't make a noise. Don't draw attention to yourself. I think there's, there's this etiquette, I would say, which I think also leans into more of a, a fear that it can be a, a, um, an unhelpful fear of man that we could carry as parents and thinking, oh boy, I'm not even going to try today because my kids will just draw attention to myself and I don't want that. And I don't want to be that parent who's, you know, everything's, everything's directed that direction. And now everyone's looking at me. Mm. Um, you know, that could be something that could be a hindrance and a reason for someone to be like, to a parent to say, you know, we're not going today, or we're not going to sit in here today or, um, all those types of things. And, Again, while there are areas to navigate in that, you know, the difference between an unruly child or just, you know, a squirming child type of thing, recognizing, again, that, that ultimate aim of the worship of God and, and, and the fact that we are not just teaching doctrine and truths to our kids, even from a young age, um, but they're also engaging in a culture, a, a very intentional culture that we are seeking to shape. Like, I mean, it's a gospel centered culture, one that's, you know, where gratefulness is, is evident and encouragement is given often and joy is infectious. Our children are learning that because attitudes and behaviors are caught in that. Mm. And so, um, not shying away from the fact that one, it's a very sensory meeting. We see, we hear, we participate and, um, and not allowing, like maybe you could also, you could maybe say, cause I've, I've been a part of maybe more traditional settings where it's like, you know, we just have, we sit with our hands in our, our lap. We do not say anything. If you said an amen after that pastor said that really good thing, like that's, that's, that's going to draw attention to yourself in an unhelpful way. I mean, I think that tra- that goes even beyond towards then our kids then of, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be that. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, and I think some of this also speaks to kind of how we have, how, like I said earlier, our kind of our ministry philosophy towards this. Uh, if you go to a lot of different churches in the area, a lot of good gospel preaching churches, their Sunday opportunities for, for children are probably a lot broader and more wide-sweeping than ours. Um, so a question, why do we do what we do? And it's part of our, these, these core convictions of we we don't view our children necessarily and only as people who are foreign from God. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, we have clear categories of regeneration and, and you know, evidence of faith, but also the, the children of believers is a very interesting category in both the Old and the New Testament. And, and these are the type of doctrinal convictions that are the main different are key differences between like between us and a Presbyterian church. We see this is why we don't practice infant baptism um, and so forth. Now, having said that, <laughs> I think there is a tendency for believers Baptists to go towards a sense of well, our children are not Christians, unregenerate, so therefore we have to wait until they make a decision before we bring them into the family the meeting, the, the worship meeting. Um, and that just can have such a, an effect. Uh, it, it plays itself out in like small group settings where, mm-hmm. well, we, everybody get your own, everybody get your own babysitter and then we'll come and don't, if your children are coming, make sure they're not a distraction because the real stuff is happening with the adults. And, but again, that begs the question, well, how are they supposed to, to learn to do that? Mm-hmm. So it's part of like, we, we view the command to, to fathers, 
train up your kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We, we take that as from day one, we are bringing them in to the family to, because this is how you're a groom. This is what we do. This is how we, this is the God we serve. Um, and they learn that way. All that said, we recognize there's a category for, I don't know, called walkers or crawlers, this category of like really anywhere between 12 to 15 months to preschool. Um, this category of kid of, of age where they just want to run around and yeah. developmentally and tackle and rest tackle and, and discipline is still becoming a, a learned thing as far as like, yeah. So all that to say is like, that's why we make available childcare for those ages during the particular, only during the singing. So we don't have where you show up, drop them off and they're gone for an hour and a half and you pick them back up. <clears throat> we, we want our church to be a church that sings and worships and together uh, ideally to sit under the preaching of the word together. Um, and Castleman makes a good point of like anything that takes children out of the service should be used to train them to go back into the service. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why recently we've taken steps um, to hire Sherry Baldwin uh, in a part-time role as the kind of the childcare coordinator where she's kind of helping with the details of setting up and what happens during that time. But also kind of, my vision for that is also to move in more of a liturgical, getting children ready to sit still and listen to a story and, and so forth. So mm. there's some discipling that's happening toward the goal of getting them back in to sit with their, their family. Mm-hmm. As, a, as a parent, that's, that's a helpful thing. I mean, we can say that again and again, but we do need to make that choice in our mind. And, and practically how that fleshes out can be different mm-hmm. for every family. But I think just that the the fact that we don't just all of a sudden we didn't just all of a sudden like learn one day you know we're we're potty training right now and it's you, it's you not or? not me oh okay <laughs> my wife and I are potty training one of our okay, children that makes, that makes yeah. more sense okay great <clears throat> and it's not like you know we just put the undies on and all of a sudden she knows what to do um, though she's had a lot of success you know, you can go a whole day. Then there's that. Oh, there was a mess along the way. Regression. But but there's but there's a process to that. It's not like we're just gonna wait till you know. There's that you know that age twelve is the age right where she'll just know <laughs> she'll just know that she's like she'll she'll learn she'll automatically learn. No, you're you're tra- you're intentionally training up your child in a specific direction that you would want them to go. Mm-hmm. Paul's instruction to Timothy in Second Timothy three fourteen he says, but as for you. Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood, from childhood. So that could have been three, four, mm-hmm. ten. Um, he probably you, didn't. He, he probably wouldn't be able to say. Some translations say from infancy. From yeah. infancy, yeah. You've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So we cannot make our children love the Bible, but we can make sure that they're acquainted with it because of what the Bible is. God breathed. Our children can never be around the Bible too soon or too well. So that's just one aspect of that, of I want to be able to, I want, there's a process to it, but there's not like this arrival age of, you know, they'll just get it now all Mm -hmm. of a sudden. No, I want to, from the youngest of ages, you know, my son is six months old. He doesn't know what's happening, but I want to, when I read the Bible with him, and I want to read the Bible with him, I want to read it reverently and regularly. I want to read all of it so that he knows, like, this is what we do. This is, I'm being acquainted with this so that um, one day, 
God might open my eyes and take hold of me and make me his own. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's just, it's, that's, that's a kind of a, might be a shift for some people. I, I know that's a framework thing too, but having that mindset of it's never too soon. You know, like we kind of set these limits on, you know, this is maybe the age, but I think underneath that is there's this expectation, like it'll just automatically happen one day. No, mm-hmm. you have to train your child yeah, to, towards certain things. Yeah. Yeah. A couple metaphors that are, or comparisons that are helpful to me. One is like just passing on a love for a sport to children. You could take kids to a professional baseball game or football game. And when you leave, if you ask like, you know, how much did they get out of that? Well, if you don't understand the game, probably not a whole lot, but you expose them to it and they say, they see you enjoying it and standing up and cheering. And, you know, there's, there's a overall positive association of this was fun. Mm -hmm. Um, and what they loved about it is probably different than what you loved about it, but that it's through that kind of exposure that we, we learn to love what our parents love. Mm -hmm. Um, don't your sons sing, take me out to the ball game. They, they do. Yeah. They sing that now. Yeah. So, you know, think (laughs) about like seventh inning stretch that's, there's a liturgy to, baseball. Yeah. And so during Here the seventh inning stretch, everybody stands up and like kids will catch on to that pretty quickly. And they might not know on their own when it's coming, but they know that it's coming and they look forward to that. Yep. And, and then they participate in it more and more as they learn the words. And, and so, you know, it's a reminder to me, um, and for all of us, it's true that you enjoy a sport if you understand it. If you don't know what's going on, you know, try watching cricket. And if you don't understand the game, it just looks chaotic. That's not American baseball. Um, Likewise, I think uh, gathering on the Lord's Day can be really confusing to Mm. kids. There's a book by Jared Kennedy called God Made Me for Worship, Helping Children Understand Church. The book is not one that, you know, the kids are going to beg you to read at bedtime. It's not that kind of a story. But what that book did for me was just help register, oh yeah, uh, think about how confusing a worship service would be to a kid when one minute everybody's standing up, clapping, singing, um, being loud. And then the next moment, everybody's sitting down and they're quiet and they're getting shushed for being Mm -hmm. loud. And to a kid, they're going, wait, just a second ago, everybody was being loud. And why am I in trouble now for making noise? Because they don't understand. And, you know, we, we stand up for this and then we sit down and then we stand up again to read God's word. And then we sit down again. So all of that would be confusing. But if you start to teach children. And, and so that's something we've tried to do mm-hmm. outside of Sunday morning to prepare yeah. our kids yes. for explaining here, here are the parts of the service. Here's the order that they come in. Here's why we stand for this. Here's why we sit here. When this is happening, we're listening um, so that it's not unexpected. So it's just like, you know, teaching a child to pray. When you say things like fold your hands and bow your head and close mm-hmm. your eyes, you're, you're just giving them practical helps to not be distracted along with explaining, you know, because we're focusing our mind on God right now. We want to think about God. So recognizing, Caleb, like you're saying with potty training, it's a process mm-hmm. and it's, it, you're not going to give up just because of a day of regression. Like, yeah. well, I guess she's not, just not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, you keep with it. Parenting in the pew is the same way. You, you keep with it. Yeah. They don't necessarily get it right away. Um, but there, I think the best way to approach it is just to provide that instruction mm-hmm. and explanation and repetition with the view that they will worship God. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's the aim. Yeah. Yeah. The, 
the other question too is like, what about being hospitable to either guests or unbelievers as they come in, um, seeker, if you will, people who are seeking, well, you know, coming in with an expectation, well, shouldn't I be able to put my kids <laughs> somewhere? Um, Castleman has a really good uh, paragraph here. She says, the best kind of seeker service is one that is one where unchurched people feel two things simultaneously. I don't belong here and I want to belong here. The Mysterium Tremendum, God's fearful majesty, is off-putting and in-drawing at the same time. The throne of grace is still a throne, not a rocking chair or a floor pillow. And the church is not another club to join. It's the body of Christ, the presence of the kingdom of God in the world. And what a privilege to invite our friends and their children, I would say, and our children, to know and worship the king. So there is this sense of, like, this is worth pressing on in. This is worth digging in and committing ourselves to um, because we're at, the, the stakes are just so high with, yeah. with our own children. Um, so maybe we could, let's just take a few minutes here and just, you know, get practical, if you will. Um, maybe what are some tips that you guys use, some things that we've <laughs> tried to do. Uh, as far as like, remember, the goal is not just to, um, is the goal is not just to be quiet or sit still. Um, the goal is to worship the Lord, and in doing that, there will be there will be quietness and reverence and mm-hmm. listening and paying attention. Um, hard category in that, and and Castleman is is a little bit overwhelming when she says things like, "Well, first things first, limit distractions," um, which is funny because she said again, she said this in the '90s when you know iPhones don't exist and iPads don't exist and tablets don't exist and none of that exists, but. That is hard. That's a, you know, we pack a bag. We have in the past packed bags for each of the kids full of stuff, snacks, all these things. And then to read that line, limit distractions, because what you're doing is just you're continuing to numb them that just, we just need you guys to not talk. Yeah. That'd be great. Um, rather than including them in the participation. So that was a hard pill for us to swallow. If you have like, and there's all these, yeah, but you don't know my kids. <laughs> you don't understand. Benny's a screamer. Like, Henry <clears throat> will just start throwing his truck. Like, there's just this, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then when you think again on the principle at play, yeah, I guess that would undermine that principle. So I'll just share one thing we did just this past week that really surprised us. Um, is So I was preaching this past week, and so I wasn't going to be in, in, the, in the pew, if you will. Uh, so Jamie had the boys go back to um, a maestro kids and Adeline was going to sit with us. And, you know, Adeline's pretty, you know, her disposition's pretty quiet anyway. So it's not like she, this was going to be a hard thing for her. She's pretty easy. Um, but that's not, again, that's not enough just to have her, well, she'll just sit quietly. So it's fine. Um, so Jamie, and this, this really does take buy-in from both parents of Jamie, just, we made clear to Adeline, here's the plan. We're going to bring a notebook Okay, and, and Adeline's going into kindergarten this year, so she can't write, she can't read, but she can draw, and she she loves drawing and loves um, drawing pictures. And so we brought a notebook, her notebook, her church notebook, with all these colored pencils, and um, so she sat. And Jamie's instructions were: anything you hear Daddy say that you recognize or that you know brings a, a picture to mind, draw it. And uh, we we had no idea what was going to oh happen oh or boy. if it was going to last very long. Like, so Jamie brought backup plans and like if something went south. And so I went up and preached. And then afterwards on the drive home, Jamie's like, you would be so proud of, of Adeline. She mm. sat there the entire time, just mm. riveted. 
And uh, in fact, about like halfway through, Jamie was like, hey, do you want to do something? Like, are you okay? Like, you don't have to take no. And she was just committed to listen and participate. Did I, she draw Gandalf on a hill she with Rohirrim behind no, him? No, she didn't. She didn't oh, do okay. that. No. <laughs> she did draw water, like swimming down, and she drew Jesus on a cross. And um, So anyway, the sweet joy that I got to then have when I got home was sit at the kitchen table with her. She was eager to show me what she had done. She That's was good. like, Dad, you need to come sit down at the table. So I sat down with her, and she showed me her quote-unquote notes. And she's like, I'm pretty sure you said something about diving or water so i drew some some waves here flips a couple because she did it on like 50 pages so <laughs> do like a couple lines and but what a sweet joy from my heart to to recognize like she's she can do way more than i than i assume or yeah. think and um so that was one week we'll see how next week goes. goes yeah <laughs> but, so i think the wisdom in that yeah. is that um it when you give a kid a, a writing utensil and a notebook it, if they can't write words yet they can start to draw yeah. it's still training them just listen listen mm-hmm. for something mm-hmm. and and mark it down and it's easy to transition from that to when they are more school age and they can mm-hmm. write in note taking where even there their notes are going to be l- limited not quite as extensive as the notes an adult could take mm-hmm. but still they can be be learning that or just oh, write, something's happening that i write should what's on tune the screen. into right. and pay attention to and and get something um, so I, I think that that's, that's wise. One thing that we've done is, um, tried to give our kids in, in order of worship again, just to help them anticipate what's coming and understand here's when we stand and here's when we sit and here's when we're making noise and here's when we're not making mm-hmm. noise. And so that they can follow along a little bit and those things are not so confusing to them. Um, and it, it makes sense. And then because it's so habit forming, you know, that, that's the power of a liturgy that we, our liturgy is pretty similar week after week after week, kids catch on to that pretty quick. Mm -hmm. And so they know what to expect. And so, um, you know, our goal is if the whole church is standing, we want our kids to stand and not just be quiet. And, you know, this is a a challenge if a kid wants to just sit down or lay down on the chairs. And as as long as they're quiet, it's tempting to just be like, well, that's fine. At least they're not being a distraction. (laughs) But to say, no, everybody else is standing. And so we want you to stand with us um, so that, you know, the expectation we're communicating is you are here to participate with us as we're worshiping. Yes. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> it does take, just as you guys are speaking, it takes intentionality. Um, I think JC Rowell says, train up a child in the way they should go, not in the way that they would. So we need to take that in all of parenting, but even for Sunday. Uh, Ryan, when you were speaking a while ago, I was just reminded, I think she's, I think she says this in the book. I, I read your post, uh, Matt, but Sunday begins the night before or bef- yeah. beforehand. Um, so one thing that we do uh, is we just build that anticipation to be with the church. So when I tuck in Ruby on Saturday night, I'll say to her, do you know what tomorrow is? Hmm. And I'll say, tomorrow is Sunday. And, she, and I've made sure that I'm excited because I am excited. This is the best day of the week. I tell her that. This is the best day of the week. There's nothing like this week. Even though she likes Friday when we get Taco Bell, she likes that day a lot. But <laughs> Sunday is the best day. Well, more that's than, habit forming. <laughs> more, yeah. I mean, even that. There's, there's an example. Um, and her eyes will light up and she's like, oh, the church. And she even recognizes the church is not just this meeting. But as soon as she says the church, she starts saying people's names. Grandma. Grandpa. We're going to see Grandma. Grandpa. She says... She'll say Matt quite a few times. She'll say Nick. 
Um, she'll say Dan. She'll just say a lot of names. And, and it's amazing the name she says. But building that anticipation, because what I'm helping her do is not, I'm not trying to help her necessarily be prepared just to be quiet or be behaved, even though that's important. I'm building her expectation for the best day. This is the best day of the week because this is when God's people gather together and God has redeemed us with the blood of his son. Like this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Again, that serves the purpose of what we started with is we're sweeping our children into the worship of God. Not just like, all right, here we go. Here's the day where we're just going to have to be our best behavior or whatnot. This is the day that's the best because God is our God and he's made us his own and Jesus is alive and risen. And so that, that, that just provides this, you know, open canvas, if you will, to continue to add to it. Like, why is this the best? And she doesn't understand why it's the best day fully, obviously, Mm -hmm. but she knows like it is the best. I mean, there's this expectation and anticipation and excitement, like I'm ready to go. And you can keep adding to that as we go on and on and on. So that's where catechesis can really help. We, Mm. I ask my kids a, a few questions on Saturday night we start talking about the next day. Do you know what day it is? They say the Lord's day. Uh, I ask them, why is it the Lord's day? And the answer is because Jesus rose mm-hmm. from the dead yes. on this day. So it's, it's his day. Jesus rose from the dead. And then I ask, uh, what kind of day is it? And have just taught them to say, it's a sweet day. Mm-hmm. Um, we yeah. try to do a dessert Saturday night mm-hmm. after dinner at some point. So while they're eating that, I'm talking about this, isn't this sweet? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Lord's day is a sweet yeah. day. It's yes. like you're saying, the, the best day of the week. So it's building good. those things in that create that anticipation as well as the instruction, you know, beginning to give them categories for understanding why it's the Lord's day, why it's a sweet day. Yeah. All this is highlighting, which speaks to just our a biblical anthropology that we are not just, you know, souls or just minds like sticks that need to be imputed or a certain information or need to develop to a certain place before we can quote unquote understand. But we are physical sensory people that's how god made us and so we should expect worship to be likewise like caleb you were saying earlier it's a sensory experience so usher your children in not just on sunday mornings but throughout the whole week into that sensory experience sing with them read with them tell the story exactly over and over again and then for all the especially moms out there of young kids you know just take heart um we are all in this together you're not it can feel like you're all alone and isolated and that everybody else's kids are perfect by no means we all are walking along on this and i just think psalm 78 is just a good way to end where he says we will not hide from our children but tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the lord and his might and the wondrous things that he has done Hmm. we won't hide from hide that thing from them Um, so we bring them in we we usher them in and as we do you know just take heart as we parent in the pew that um we got to have the long the long goal in frame. So, all right, guys, thanks. Till next time. Thanks for listening to Make and Multiply. If you have questions about anything related to discipleship huddles or missional communities or gospel fluency, you can reach out to your missional community leader. And if you're not yet plugged into gospel community at Emmaus Road, visit us online at EmmausRoadSF.com.